to show you I've changed. If you'd really changed, you wouldn't have come here. Oh, if you'd really changed, you wouldn't have let me. And so we've come to the end of the road. They have to cross the river. Who's the scorpion and who's the frog? Let's find out together. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast, where age is nothing but a number in life and in fandoms. I'm Sheila Motto, and you can find me and my wife, on our website at foreverfangirls.com. And I am Kimberly Amato, and you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at foreverfanpod. Same handle on all three socials. We are your hosts, and we're glad you can join us. Okay. We've decided to do a little something different for you today, because as you heard from our intro, we're going to be covering Killing Eve's uh, final season. However, Mm. after seeing the whole season, we really don't feel in our bones that we can give you the good, the bad, the cute, the unicorn poop format. We don't feel it would apply here. So we're going to be spending a lot of time discussing episodes seven and eight. Yes. And if you've seen the series finale, you know why. Um, However, if you have not seen the final season or the final two episodes, please be aware that this will spoil you. So, in addition to the spoiler warning, we want to say that this episode will contain heavy topics that uh, may become emotionally charged. So, just please understand that this is not, um, our intent is not to um, hurt anybody's feelings or anything, but we feel that these are certain things that need to be discussed that occurred during the season. So, if you do not feel comfortable, please, we will not be offended. Just, Just turn it off and wait to the following episode. Yeah. Okay. And with that, I think it's prudent that we are going to highlight the overall description of the show, um, at least for the, the season, according to Google. Eve's life as a spy is not adding up to what she had hoped it would be when she started. She's a bored, very smart MI5 security officer who's very desk bound. Villanelle is a very talented killer, mercurial in mood, who clings to the luxuries of her job. Eve and Villanelle go head-to-head in a fierce game of cat and mouse, each woman equally obsessed with the other, as Eve is tasked with hunting down the psychopathic assassin. And so I think it's important to note here, and we agree, that throughout the season, the good of this series have solidly been the leads, right? Sandra Oh as Eve Palastri and um, Jodie Comer as Villanelle. You know, Fiona Shaw as Carolyn Martins and Kim Bodnia, I think that's how you pronounce it, sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, as Constantine round out this phenomenal cast. Yeah, that has never been in question. The acting has been superlative. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about themes. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, this is like really hard to get started. Oh my God, because I... I don't want to start bawling at the start. So, all right. I'm just going to say the title. The actual title is Killing Eve. Mm -hmm. If you look through all four seasons, it has been indirectly the death of Eve, a figurative one. 
you know, of her normal life. But but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a figurative death of Eve and a rebirth, if you will, mm-hmm. discovering who she is, figuring out where she wants to be in life. All of that has kind of been ignited from the first season when she actually met Villanelle. Well, when when Carolyn forced her to. Yeah. But, you know, Carolyn kind of got her into the situation, but really she was still like, I'm going to find these people. And like that headstrong, I can do it. I can bear Mm. it. You know, I was happy in my marriage. I'm happy in my job. Everything is great. And then Villanelle comes into the picture Mm -hmm. and it flips a switch that starts to unravel Eve as we knew Eve and slowly starts from like the caterpillar to the butterfly of the Eve we end up knowing. Yeah. In addition to awakening her sapphic desires, shall we say? Yes. Yeah, and the towards the end, right, when Yusuf actually tells Eve that she needs to find her new normal because, you know, they've been, she and Villanelle have been um, apart and they're going separate ways or it seems like it. Um, he tells her that she needs to find her, quote, new normal, I don't think that those were the exact words, but it was to try to find how she can live and move forward from where she is Um, and that she needs to find the people that she cares about. And then she realizes, you know, it's, it's certainly not her, her ex-husband. Of course he's Mm -mm. dead at this point, but it is Is Villanelle. Yes. He died. When did he die? Pitchfork to the throat. I so don't remember. Oh my goodness. Look, yeah. 2020 was a really long... <laughs> yes, it was. Um, a long section of time between seasons. But, you know, the, the first thought was Villanelle, right? Mm-hmm. It's always been Villanelle. They are the yin and yang of each other, um, the balance. And that goes into the, the female you know, power and desire theme. Because really and truly, we're introduced to these amazing characters. Mm-hmm. You know, two main leads who were extraordinarily strong in their own right and had, yes, other people pulling the strings for them, but they still have to, and I guess this is where I always say, like, other films get it wrong, where they use a female to bolster up a male character, blah, blah, blah. In this case, they have two strong female characters that, yes, they do have male counterparts, but they still must execute and go about and do. And the way Villanelle kills people and, you know, Constantine going, you know, you didn't have to do it that way. And she's like, what? There's no fun in that. Right, you know, because she she just likes what she does. Yeah. And, you know, she is confident, she's manipulative, um, all of that as an assassin should be. But the, the reason why at least I'm drawn to that character is because she's also vulnerable. Mm-hmm. She wants Constantine to be proud of her. She wants to understand her family and why... They got rid of her, so to speak. Right. You know, all of this. There's a depth to Villanelle. And then we get to the season and it felt like the depth was lost. It was this weird. Um, well, I, I know that they were trying to, you know, the whole thing about redemption. I I know that we're still in the female power desire mm-hmm. thing, but, you know, it's it's about trying to change yourself to show that you you know, are worthy of someone else. But just looking at it in the sense of female power and desire, right? Mm. We have Eve, Carolyn, Pam, Helene, and Villanelle. Villanelle and Eve have always been the forefront, right? Mm -hmm. They've had the most development. They've gone in one direction. 
And even though they've been going in the specific direction, they do zigzag a little because you have to figure yourself out. You try of different course. things, you, you, but you're still navigating in the same direction. This fourth season made Villanelle do a nosedive into this religious weirdness where half of her was like a Jesus or I think I kept calling her Visas because it was Villanelle Jesus. Mm. It's this idea that there was a mental break is what it felt like. And the empowerment was then lost because it's then no longer about a strong female character. It's about a character going through this weird wackiness that explains her evil and makes her dark. Instead of a complicated assassin who was vulnerable, she then became this, well, if you don't like it, I'm going to kill you, blah, 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 blah. And it just went off the rails Mm. and lost the train of that character. And when you look at Eve, again, strong, struggling. I mean, she was a, she was figuring herself out and was unhappy about it because nobody likes to be in that. It made sense. And then you get to this season and it's like, oh, you want to have sex? Yeah, there there was no continuation of that bridge scene that right. ended season three. And I was expecting that. And mm-hmm. so when this season started, I'm like, wait, what, what, what happened? And then you look at Helene and Carolyn. All of a sudden, to me, it felt like Carolyn was at the forefront. It wasn't Killing Eve and Villanelle. It was the Carolyn show. Yeah. And then you read after the fact that there are rumors of a spinoff of young Carolyn and how they developed the 12 and all of this. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Again, rumors. I don't know what is true or what is not. That's what I've seen. And it just, it bothered me. The damn show is killing Eve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, the, the fact that it was always in the forefront, like you said, that she was trying to get back to MI6 and she was doing everything that she could to try to get back there. And I'm like, well, but but I want to know more about Eve and Villanelle. Yeah, it's like we, we literally watched an episode and they were doing all the flashbacks. And I'm like, okay, that's great. So now we know Carolyn started the 12. First off, you could have cut Well, up. she infiltrated. She, well, but did she infiltrate it or was she the beginning of it? No, she infiltrated. See, I always felt that she helped create it. Again, I know that it, should tell you something we, right there. We have no idea right. what was going on. When when we first saw that that episode, it did seem like you know, she actually started it, but, you know, her father was um, you know, a spy. And so she was also following in her footsteps, so, uh, his, his footsteps. footsteps. Um, that should tell you how poorly this yeah. season developed the female characters. And then you have Pam, who a lot of people, based on, on reviews you told me, didn't like that character. Yeah, and I actually liked that character. And the funny thing is, that character was developed. That character was given what Eve and Villanelle had been given for three years. Again, the damn show is called Killing Eve. And you're giving the meat of everything to secondary characters. Yeah. I mean, in the first three seasons, it was all about women being, um, you know, smarter and sometimes more violent than their male counterparts. Right. And here it just Villanelle just seemed to lose it. Um, Eve was just, she seemed to lose it too. Yeah. She was doing it for, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing seemed cohesive. Right. Like kidnapping someone else's kid. Yeah. That That? is something Eve would never have done in the beginning. That's something Villanelle would have done. 
That's why I'm like, wait a minute, what is going on here? And, and the thing is, I was trying to rationalize that specific scene. I'm like, okay, maybe Eve is becoming more like Villanelle. But even Villanelle, I'm like, wouldn't have done that to Helene, I don't think. And Helene, would her kid even have been that vulnerable? Seriously? Yeah. It's, you're, you're saying that she's a world-known like assassin who has like trained people and is like a, a the Constantine level and she's just wildly when he has put his whole family into protection they don't go anywhere without help and she doesn't yeah it it basically the first 3 seasons built it up with strong women that were powerful that had desire that had creativity and then they made them cardboard cutouts of stereotypical women and it made no sense None. It, it, there was no continuity between season three and season four. And maybe that has to do with the, the length. Maybe I think you mentioned again. The showrunners are the showrunners different. The showrunners are different. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It just, it doesn't make sense. No, not at all. Um, but going back to your point about Pam, right? The, the, the theme there for me is that she actually broke the cycle, right? Breaking the cycle. She did not stay as part of the 12. She wanted to go she wanted to be part of the 12 so desperately, mm -hmm. but her development, as you yep. were saying, you know, we saw her evolution where, you know what? She didn't need the 12. No, she didn't. She, she made, she made death look beautiful. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but that wasn't the only thing that made her who she is and meeting, I guess the, the, the guy at the carnival, mm -hmm. What I wanted to just highlight there is that she, Pam, even though she was a lost soul, actually was able to find um, find her own purpose. Yes, with Constantine's help, mm -hmm. she eventually kills Constantine, but with Constantine's help, was able to then walk away. But here's a huge flaw in that. Mm. Season one, Constantine, I think it was season one, Constantine tells Villanelle, you think they're going to let you leave once you're in, you're in. But she wasn't in yet. Yes, she was. He told her, if you kill, you're in. If you want to walk away now, walk away. But by the time she leaves, by the time she walks away, Helene is already dead. That's not the point, though. The 12 know of her. Well, the... I understand. I understand the twelve get obliterated, but the point is, you can't say one thing and make it a rule that once you kill, you're in, and that's it. Because they all know who you are. They will find you. He even tells Villanelle, "There's no place in the world you can hide." Yeah, I see. And your all point. of a sudden, Pam just walks away. It goes again to the showrunner having no understanding of these characters. You can't, especially, there's no excuse if you were part of season three's writing room. Mm. You should know better. Which is why I'm just really very Appalled. upset. Yeah. Uh, moving into a different theme yeah. here about redemption, right? That it seemed like there's only one way to be redeemed. By finding Christ and following religion? And going against everything that makes you who you are? Yeah, and that's like, uh, no. Last time I checked, redemption comes in many, many forms. I do not, and I want to make it clear, I do not negate religion and faith being something that helps people. It is a profound, powerful thing that helps many, many people who suffer with addiction. And I think that is amazing and wonderful. However... It's not when the only way. It is not the only way. 
when religion is utilized as a way to diminish who you are and tell you, as it was evidenced here, to the point of where Villanelle has to kill Jesus in order to live her truth, meaning she must accept she is a demon who will never be redeemed because she is killing that side of her. That would be like me marrying a man for the rest of my life and denying that I love you. Yeah. It would, it's... You can't ignore your feelings and your desires. That's what makes you you. Well, right? well let's let's clarify because some people have desires to hurt people. And well, we don't, but I no. Mean, within human reason where it's not hurting somebody, you can't deny part of yourself. You right. can't, you, you know what? God said I was born this way in his image and likeness. If he wanted me to be bisexual, guess what? I am. It's in the Bible. And what I, thank you for clarifying that. What I was meaning was, you know, I, I can't change my desire for you. No. Right? I love you. Um, and nor would I ask you to, because truthfully, if I denied that part of me, I would be denying myself the happiness. love and happiness that I have. And why is that bad? And to make it in such a show that has a massive, massive queer following, to then negate all of that. In one episode, and I, I remember telling you, what is with this visas crap? Mm-hmm. And I understood she was trying to find her way through faith. That was fine. There was nothing wrong with that. But to bring up the visas and all of that and have her split, where the thing that killed me was she had to kill visas in order to live. You cannot kill, negate, or ignore part of yourself. And the... The message there was because she couldn't, she had to die. Yeah. That message of you can't be redeemed if you're different is just wrong. It is abhorrent to have that be your statement of a show that was empowering women and empowered the queer community and did so in a way where it was normal to then justify everything that they had become as being deviancy. Yeah that would lead to obliteration is not only abhorrent, but it is absolutely unequivocally disrespectful, harmful, and vile. And there's no way around that. Yeah. This whole barrier gaze trope, right? It's no, we're just, not even there yet. <laughs> well, I, I am because that's the only way that Villanelle was redeemed by episode eight is to die. And it's it's so it's so hurtful because you contrast that with other shows, right? That we've had um, Black Mirror, Ascension of Hero, mm-hmm. or The Haunting of Bly Manor. That was that's so beautiful. The happiest season, Winona Earp. We have a wedding in Winona Earp, and you give us this. It's I remember when we were watching it. Um, you had already been spoiled. I hadn't. It was all over the Twitter feed, yeah. Right. I I did not see, because I'm not usually on Twitter, so I didn't see it. And uh, by the end of that episode, you were you were crying. I wasn't. I was in shock. Like, I couldn't even wrap my brain around what was happening. That I wasn't, I was numb. I did not, until I started writing this script, that's when it hit me. And I can't imagine... Why? Because it's easy. 
That's, that's the only thing I can keep coming back to. It is easy to kill instead of giving a happy ending. That is all I can say about it at this point. It is cheap. It is frivolous. It is a joke. There are so many millions of ways this could have ended. And I actually, right after, through my tears, told you about seven different ways, three that really could have. And I was bawling. And now I'm just angry. Yeah, well, because it's enough. I, I, I'm still in the hurt phase, so I, I will get there. <laughs> I will get there. It's, but the, what makes me angry is that, I, and I have not read the books, but I understand that it doesn't end like this in the books. Now, I understand that it can't follow the books 100%. Of course. But the fact that it doesn't end with Villanelle dying really makes me angry. Because that was a choice. If the story ended that way, right, we would have to accept it because if the books ended that way and the story ended that way, we'll be like, all right. But if the book found a way for them to have a happy ending, that means that the showrunner sat down, literally went through. And and again, I don't know how the writer's rooms work. I only know, you know, basically what I read or what people tell me. And if there were other writers that were trying to figure out the timelines and the arcs of the season, if they were laying everything out, then they all missed the ball. They, yep. they dropped it. Yep. Because legitimately, you just made a choice because in your opinion, you, I mean, the showrunner, I believe, said that the only way this could end was with Villanelle's death. But guess what? The books didn't end with the death. So that's not the only way. Right. So by you saying it was the only way meant you had no understanding or knowledge of the story. Like you said, we look at Winona Earp. Winona Earp, Nicole Hunt got shot in the chest. And oh my God, there's such a thing called a bulletproof vest. I wanted to hear the hallelujah chorus when that happened because the minute she got shot, I was like, oh damn. But no, yeah. Emily Andrus went, hey guys, guess what? Police departments have bulletproof vests. Yeah, they spent a lot of money on making sure. Yeah, that we they had, had a bullet- wedding. Yes. Bly Manor. Oh my God. Okay, look. Okay, you're you, going to make me cry again. Okay, but let's, let's, I'm sorry I'm going on a rant, but let's just discuss Bly Manor. We have covered it, and I will link our episode, okay? We were destroyed at the fact that Danny, the au pair, dies. Yeah. However, it it. was not because we were angry or hurt that they destroyed and killed a story and killed a queer character. Where we were hurt and destroyed over was the fact that someone sacrificed themselves with love and they had a relationship for years and she fell in love and the anguish of losing the one you love. It's something that was eating away inside of her. The Lady of the Lake was devouring her and that to me was like losing someone to an illness or something else where you are with them and you are loving them and all of a sudden they are wasting away and there's nothing you can do and you love them anyway because you wish your love would make that go away that was Bly Manor this this was pathetic okay so now that we have all of that out there uh I don't think there's much else to say about Killing Eve season four. So, uh, I guess now it is time for our Forever Fangirls rating. Drum roll, please. We rate Killing Eve season four, and I don't think this comes as any surprise, one star. And we were being nice about the one star because truthfully, at the end of the day, if I had never seen it, 
I wouldn't have missed anything. The bridge ending would have been fine. Yeah. It would have been fine. I mean, I would have loved to have seen more of them, but I would have been like, oh, they part from each other, but they're doing it to keep each other safe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, during uh, Eve's wedding officiating in the final episode, you know, she describes relationships as being tough and require a lot of effort. And, you know, she was actually talking about, you know, sometimes you break, but then you can mend uh, and, and bond stronger again into something that is beautiful, right? And so I, I felt that as a metaphor for the relationship that we, the audience, had with the show. We followed Eve and Villanelle's journey for four seasons. We had hoped that despite the constant force pulling them apart, that they would find their way back on the same bridge, but this time going in the same direction. Oh, that would have been beautiful. We, we kind of got a glimmer of that, though, right? Uh, when, when they were on the road trip together. They oh, were in the stolen, in the stolen in van. In the stolen van. They were together. They were going in the same direction. And the possibilities were endless. And it was just so beautiful. And it was cute and, and normal and ordinary. But instead, the show ended with Villanelle being killed off. And Eve crying a guttural anguish scream. And it, it just tore my heart and soul apart. Because you threw away these rich characters. For what? And it was a beautiful representation of LGBTQ relationships. This barrier gaze trope needs to end. I'm going to try to get through this. Because my wife makes me cry when she gets upset. I wish I could save this dumpster fire of the season. This disaster that they call the season four. I know my words probably hurt everybody that was involved in it. And I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to hurt anybody who worked on the show, who gave their time in a, in, in a scary time of pandemic and, and regulations and COVID and all that. They worked so hard. And I thank everyone that was cast and crew for bringing us what they could and doing their very best because visually the season was just as good as it's always been. Season four used religion to pull the darkness out of Villanelle. That's what it felt like that Villanelle was on the righteous path and religion was doing that. And when Villa Jesus started showing up, she couldn't handle it. So she kills Villa Jesus. Add to that, she then slaughters those who are representing the rede- redemption because who she truly is is unacceptable to them. Her internal struggle with Visus seems like a fight between being good or giving into the truth of her own being. And add to that that Eve is lost, wandering soul with no purpose or focus until Villanelle is dead and out of her life. That scream, that guttural anguish scream was not one of survival. It was not one of, oh my God, it's over. Because let me tell you, they say all season, congratulations. Even Carolyn says it, congratulations. You killed the head. Someone will take their place. The 12 will not die. That was the point. So Eve's scream is not a guttural, thank God it's over. Eve's scream is that she finally found her place, her person. That scream was not survival of freedom or from the temptation of what is not acceptable. That scream was pain of losing what she loved, what completed her. 
And on top of that, Pam gets to decide to walk away with her boy, fulfilling that acceptance of life by society standards equals happiness. Villanelle has refused to deny herself love and is gunned down in a hail of bullets for what? If that was the only option, it could have been done figuratively. She could have faked her own death so that Eve would have been able to survive maybe guttural scream of pain and all, but we would have maybe seen Villanelle later on, maybe months later, watching Eve living a good life to protect her because she loved her so much. Or, truth be told, they could have seen her healed, helped later on, living in Havana somewhere, and happy with Eve. We all know Star Trek, or anybody who does. You know the Borg. And the Borg literally says that resistance is futile and assimilation is best. The Borg fail. Repeatedly, they fail. Because difference is what makes us beautiful. Love is not a sin. Love is a blessing. And that is our show for today, folks. Thank you again for joining us on this emotional episode. Um, if we have missed anything, uh, let, leave us a voicemail on speakpipe.com forward slash forever fangirls podcast. Um, and if you are listening to this podcast on your smartphone, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And if you can leave us a review, uh, that would be also really appreciated. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember, who you are and who you love are non-negotiable. We don't need saving. We don't need redemption. We don't need to be made miserable for who we are. We just need to be accepted and loved and represented authentically to show that we are beautiful just the way we are and our differences are what makes the world a more interesting place. <laughs>